Hi, and welcome to The Sustainable Century, where we explore with experts, with leaders, activists, communities of interest, mothers, fathers, and kids, how to buy, how to work, and how to invest for happier lives and a healthier planet. I'm your host, Mark D'Souza Shields. Well, hi out there. Uh, today we're talking with uh, Paula Glick. Uh, she was previously the Vice President of Institutional Sales at MSCI, which is an information uh, company for investors, uh, where she provided investors environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, get that ESG information, uh, so they could make better sustainability investment decisions. Now, now she's an entrepreneur. Uh, she is the happy co-founder of the recently established Honey Tree Investment Management out of Toronto in Canada. And it provides sustainable and responsible investment options for primarily for institutional investors. Honey Tree describes itself as a quanta mental asset manager focused on responsible growth. The quanta what? I had to look that one up. We'll get back to it. But first, let's talk. Paula, tell us about your leap into business. What on earth would encourage you midlife uh, no less, <laughs> to become an entrepreneur. All right. Hi, hi Mark. Um, yeah, so I, I uh, you know, I've been in the investment industry, as you know, for quite some time. And I think the last, you know, 14, 15 years prior to starting Honeytree, I was in institutional sales. And really, I was responsible for the Canadian market. And that alone, that role really is a, an entrepreneurial role because you're driving a market, you're meeting with people. It's the basic skills of, uh, I think, running a business to some extent or really building a business. And um, those, are, those are important aspects. So I think I've always had a little bit of that, that entrepreneurial, in the action, let's build something um, interest and um, it was really in meeting my co-founder that we sort of realized our, our skill sets were very complementary and here I developed this ESG understanding and knowledge and expertise and she came from this uh, quantum mental portfolio management um, knowledge base and putting the two together really just seemed to resonate as, as, a, as a very viable and timely thing to be doing. Well, it, it kind of seems, and you know, I've been doing this ESG stuff more as an uh, outside observer and uh, analyst than anything else for 30 years or so. And it, it's a little bit depressing when you say it's still, you know, sort of like an entrepreneurial uh, activity. I mean, is ESG still an evolving market, an emerging market, or is there some reason to be more positive? Well, I mean, you know, obviously uh, ESG has gone through a, a massive evolution. It, it does continue to expand and advance, I think, just in terms of, well, different ways that you can consider environmental, social, and governance. But, I mean, really, we are, first and foremost, an active core equity strategy, which happens to really use ESG because we're big believers in considering these these. Uh, concepts, um, metrics, data, 
um, just as much as we are fundamental financial data. I mean, really, you need to be looking at the diversity um, and the policies that and and the practices of a company with respect to how it's managing its, you know, its employees as its right. core asset. Um, just as much as you need to be considering their their revenue growth, and really, they're intertwined. So productivity is you know is essential to the growth of a company, and yeah. Well, let's, let's see if we can break down what quantum mental means, because it's kind of a cool concept. Uh, my understanding is it kind of combines the fundamental investing style, say, of somebody like Warren Buffett, uh, sort of a head fund manager or fund manager, with sort of a quantitative approach of firms like uh, Two Sigma or Bridgewater, which are, you know, big quant firms. Uh, is, that, is that right? Is it like one plus one equals three, sort of gives you some kind of special added advantage as an advisor? Well, I think, I mean, one of the reasons, so quantum mental, yeah, is exactly. So it's, it's really using a, um, in our case, I mean, it's really trying to drive at information through a, a quantified sort of disciplined um, approach that takes a bunch of data points, and then you are able to drive decisions from that. And what we did was we started with a very large universe of about 2,500 companies and said, you know, but, but because we're active and concentrated, we really want to get down to a, the best companies that we believe would, would fit a really good strategy. So we take a quant approach by taking these qualification criteria. Um, and they're a combination of functional, you know, the volume of the trading of the, the companies. Can we actually invest in it from Toronto um, you know, those sort of functional needs. Um, then we looked at, you know, fundamental needs, the, 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 the criteria that we'd be looking at, you know, such as revenue, dividend growth, um, various other financial considerations. And then we'd be looking at our ESG side of the equation. And some of those are negative screens, like we don't own um, weapons, we don't own tobacco, we don't own oil and gas. Um, <laughs> You know, so, but these are, these are the qualification trades. When we put those into a spreadsheet and say, these are our, these are our quant data points, we're able to, to ba basically make a better selection um, based on things that we don't want, but also things that we do want. Um, we also set a diversity cap. We want to ensure that there's a, a good um, sense of diversity at the top, at the board level. So not just on the gender side, but also where we could look at uh, racial diversity and we want to see other aspects of diversity including lgbtq and and even disability but those things are very hard to find right now in the data um so we actually went through and looked at board color and look and um you know gender is 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 readily available now that data right. is being collected um but a lot of the other stuff isn't so it's really about that deep dive so but we set the bars and these qualification criteria and they're the quantitative part of the process when we drilled down, we were able to reduce that universe from 2,500 companies down to 42. And every year we will run the same screens, the same qualification criteria. At the 42 company level, all of these companies have met their, our financial requirements. They're really good companies. We believe that they're long-term growers. They have great environmental social governance practices, but really what distinguishes them from each other. And, um, and that's where we have to do the fundamental deep dive. And that, you know, traditional fundamentals, like really getting into the weeds mm -hmm. um, and really looking at a lot of the, 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 the information that the companies are putting out, delving more deeply into 
um, you know, a lot of a lot of this information to distinguish, you know, how well is a company communicating what they're really doing? How do you a lot of the things can't be deciphered from data, from quantity you know, data. Yeah, we're talking with Paula Click of Honeytree Investment Management out of Toronto. We're gonna take a little break for a bit of music now. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Hi, we're back with Paula Glick. Uh, she's uh, the founder of Honey Tree Investment Management, again, out of Toronto, an expert in environmental, social, and governance uh, information to make sustainability investments uh, even better than they can be. I wanted to ask you, you know, because I'm pretty familiar with a lot of the, uh, shall we say, data points for ESG uh, historically. Now, if you asked me to do it the way you did it, I'd probably have no idea. However, I wanted to ask you, um, what are the sources of data? I mean, example sources of data that you use to, to get these uh, data points on diversity, on environment, et cetera, et cetera. Well, a lot of them are, you know, some of them are paid for um, subscriptions um, with, you know, the notable um, ESG providers out there. Um, and then some of them are open source data. We use Glassdoor ratings as an example. That's that's a free source. And it it's sort of a, um, a red flag indicator for us to just say, you know, if if a number of employees have taken their time to and keep in mind that the size of our companies allows us for decent sample sizes with Glassdoor, um, we're able to get a sense of, you know, how poor the culture is. Um, and that, that's, you know, if, if they get a score of below 3.5 out of 5, um, to us, that's an indicator that this company has, has messed something up um, on the internal side. There's, you know, carbon disclosure project. There's a number of sources that are available that are, that are uh, for scores and ratings. Um, even Sustainalytics has um, stuff available on Yahoo. And, um, you know, we use... Uh, Morningstar and some of the other traditional stuff for our financial data, but um, on a lot of these um, websites or platforms, they're they're increasingly integrating ESG data in there. So Morningstar has yeah. uh, ESG data in there. Yeah. I've noticed that. But one of the things I want to ask you was the difference between you know sort of like uh, let's say outcome versus impact. So a lot of the companies that you would invest in have good outcomes in terms of having, uh, 
you know, sort of the better diversity on their boards or in their senior management or having more women, et cetera, et cetera, in uh, positions of responsibility or having, you know, fewer environmental fines, these kinds of things. That's an outcome. What is their impact? Because look, when you look at it, I mean, look, objectively, and you know, I love ESG investment and impact investment and all that, but you know, women are still getting paid less than men. Egg, big ag is destroying the soil and atmosphere and our bees. And I love your bee uh, metaphor on your website, by the way. Uh, and there's more carbon in the air. There was more carbon in the air in 2018 than any other year. So yeah. make me feel positive about the, the influence. And, you know, in tobacco companies, the biggest target of ESG investors for since I can't remember when are still profitable. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, you know, there, there is a lot to be depressed about and it's not, um, you know, it's, it is a very difficult um, world that we live in. And I think that's why ESG is more important now than ever. I mean, to really be considering these things, I think for profitability, I mean, brand recognition, more and more people care about these things. I think more and more people are looking to, to consider how, how they spend their money, how they're thinking about things. Climate change obviously is a very serious um, well, crisis. Um, and it's pretty scary. I think, you know, it's, it, this is, you know, I, I wouldn't say, you know, honey tree is the solution for all, you know, problems, but when you look at the impact of these companies, just on the basis of how many employees they own their supply chains, I mean, they're just so, they're, they're so powerful that if you can invest in, you know, because let's face it, this is about investing. This is about making money, but making money in a way that, um, we believe, you know, takes into account a lot of these considerations that from a values-based perspective matter, but really it also drives the returns. And I think, you know, from an investing perspective, when you're including all of these considerations with such large supply chains and impact in terms of the employees, their environmental footprint, companies, the big companies that are actually really serious about this, that have core objectives toward these issues, um, you know, these are part of their, really their core values. And you'll see it when you go on their websites and when you look at their annual um, reports that it is core to them. And so, you know, we believe that this is very much a fundamental part of, of their, of their, their long-term winning, yeah. their long-term growth. Well, let me ask you a question then about these core values, because recently the uh, business Roundtable committed its members to a stakeholder first, not a shareholder first. Uh, approach to business, which is laudable, and it's a great thing, right? We, we understand that's a really great thing. But it seems confusing to me because uh, most of these companies are already signatories to many different guides and principles and, and whatnot that would have already committed them to putting stakeholders first. Well, that's my first observation. My second one, what I'd like you to comment on, is Larry Fink, who's the CEO of BlackRock, uh, and they've got, what, $6 trillion under management? That's almost inconceivable. Uh, they're signatories uh, to uh, the roundtable commitment to stakeholders first. Uh, yet just the other day, um, BlackRock was found deeply invested in forest destruction. It's uh, the world's largest investor in deforestation. That's what Friends of the Earth and Amazon Watch and some other groups are saying, um, and, and, and even minutes after the business roundtable, you know, uh, made their commitment, Johnson and Johnson uh, was got all caught up in the op op opioid crisis. I mean, can we take their uh, can we take their core value statements 
uh, from their uh, annual value. reports? Seriously, is what I'm saying. Yeah. It, that's a very good question, but I mean, I guess that's that's part of what we do when we do our deep dive and we watch these companies very, very closely. But you're, I mean, you're right. A lot of these companies are mired in 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 difficult. We we I mean, at Honey Tree, we don't invest in companies that are in you know investing in certain industries where we feel like it's not it's it's not it's really it's it's a combination of the the, the financial and the environmental social governance all puts together, which allows us to invest in really what we believe to be really good companies you know, with footprints yeah. that are positive. But you're right. I mean, they're, you know, from the big picture perspective, you know, that round table was a very powerful messaging and it was a reversal of positioning that 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 same group had taken or the corporate US uh, world had really started to push with Milton Friedman, really, uh, that rationale of, of um, profit first and um, looking at anything else is really stupid. Um, but we believe that profitability is, is, is absolutely immersed in these things. This is like the win-win. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be skeptical about. And it's hard to know whether that roundtable is really going to mean anything. But I think the sustainable development goals out of the UN, I mean, there's been so much attention put to that framework and to what that impact could potentially mean for companies yeah. to be thinking beyond yeah. um, just the investor at the short term thinking. Right. There's that movement for the investing for the long term and really trying to get out of this, you know, quarter by quarter profit. And, and yeah, we're, we're also, I mean, to get into that mindset or we are a long-term investor at Honeytree, we're not disclosing our returns on a monthly basis. We're, we're we're, we're disclosing quarterly just to get people thinking, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to be chasing. You don't need yeah. to be timing the market every five seconds and right. chasing stocks and, right. and, and, and be, be being part of the frenzy of the ups and downs of the market. Well, I don't want to beat this over the head too much, but, and I'll make this my last comment slash question. I question, I question the, access we have to the information that we need to make these uh, full ESG type assessments. And I speak personally. In my book, Invest Like You Give a Damn, I give an example of where I invested in Wells Fargo uh, about 20 minutes before they <laughs> were found wow. to be creating false accounts. And it's like, I'm no dummy when it comes to investments. I'm no great uh, Einstein either, but uh, I didn't know that. And there was no way I could have known that. And we didn't know that Exxon had buried climate change research for 30 years. We didn't know that either until a couple of years ago. But can we seriously find out what these companies are doing to help them avoid uh, these problems and to uh, sort of guide them towards the good as opposed to the bad? Well, I, I mean, I think like, and that's the interesting position that I sit in right now as, as somebody who's managing a very small portfolio, we look very seriously at all of our companies. If we don't understand what they're doing, if we can't make sense, um, we won't invest in them. And Wells Fargo, you know, back at MSCI, Wells Fargo was already, you know, they, the, our analysts had already identified Wells Fargo as being problematic with respect to its practices around um, some of the the pressure tactics and the salespeople and, and and opening up fake accounts and all of that prior to the big to the big fiasco. So it's just a question of how seriously you take it. And when you're running like a large passive strategy or an index, you know X 
you're not, you know, when you're sort of applying ratings, you're not going to necessarily pick up on all these nuances, but they're there. They are there. I mean, Exxon has been largely uh, talked about for, for, for a long time about their, their paying um, on the sidelines um, for that type of research and um, a lot of bad behavior for many, many companies. It's just not per se in the mainstream where people don't necessarily take it seriously to say, oh, well, what does it really mean to the valuation of the company? Um, and so it's really a question of how you, how you consider these things. Well, I mean, I mean, you can't detect fraud. Nobody knew the Volkswagen per se until it was found out that they were involved in, you know, you know, emissions scam, scamming. However, you know, there were other aspects to the company that were major red flags based on their governance and structure and how you could only imagine how things would fall under the, the radar, um, given what was happening up at the, up in, in, within the governance structure. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so there are signals sometimes to things, and we just have to look closely and listen closely. And and uh, you do give me hope, Paula, that uh, that companies can be uh, can be uh, sending out signals in different ways to let us know whether or not they're performing well on their ESG variables. But um, I want to ask you, uh, going right back to the beginning of our conversation, is how have you found starting up a business? Uh, after years of working for companies when have you got some words of wisdom for folks i was thinking that as as an entrepreneur i mean it is a very scary thing to to take on but i really believe that um you know if, if you if you have something that you really like to do and, and you have that spirit obviously and really like to build i would just um, you know, recommend that you do that. I mean, one of the things uh, we, Liz and I talked about, my partner was was having a partner. And I think that that was a, a very good thing for us to decide on doing together. And it, so it's nice to be in a partnership. Um, good to know somebody for a while and, and but take risks. And um, I think I, I feel much better having made this decision to do something adventurous and risky at this point well that's probably good advice life's too short as far as i can tell anyways yeah. thank you very much for coming on we've been speaking with paula glick uh, founder of honey tree investment management out of toronto canada and uh it was lovely speaking with you thank you very much mark it was great to connect with you too